There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Grinch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD as a sergeant. Tonight, I'm going to be flying solo. Um, we covered this case today. And, you know, I when you cover these cases, it's a little bit different than being an active police officer, active sergeant, or a detective investigating certain things. But it sort of hit me hard. Uh, even though, though I knew the reality of finding Cassie Cawley was just, uh, of her being alive, was uh, extremely remote, based on all the details we had of the investigation. But we were covering the case, if you weren't listening earlier today, uh, we were covering the case, and during uh, during our show, uh, we started getting information that they had discovered the body of Cassie Cawley inside a barn in a a shallow grave in Birmingham, Alabama. And it hit me pretty hard. You know, um, I've worked hundreds and hundreds of homicide scenes, and there's nothing compared to being on the scene where you experience the death of another human being and seeing the body and smelling the body and uh, realizing that this person was once a human being that had a life and people that loved him or her. And it hit me pretty hard when this came over. So I, I was just thinking of, you know, the investigation and um, how, what a great, um, unbelievable job law enforcement did. Today is one week since Cassie Cawley was missing, uh, which was supposed to be uh, trading the child off her the baby's father, uh, their baby sailor, who was four-year-old uh, female, was supposed to be dropped off by the father. And they had arranged this situation, I guess, with the blessings of family court to um, meet in a public place, and she would hand the baby off to him as per court order, and he would return the baby back to her also as per court order. But it turns out that uh, Cassie Cawley wasn't very confident. She was afraid of uh, of, of Marcus uh, Spanavello is his last name. She was afraid of him. And, you know, sometimes courts can order to do you to do things that don't put you in the greatest um, situation as far as safety. And, you know, we had followed this case. And um, as I said, I did not have a lot of hope that... Um, that Cassie would be found alive based on numerous, numerous factors, which were just, um, you know, red flags for me. Uh, there's a picture of uh, Cassie Cawley, who first became missing on the, the 27th, which was last Sunday. Now, she was mi- going to meet um, Marcus Spanavello, uh in a public place, and apparently this is how they always did it, but uh, she was she was terrified to do that. And this date, the, the location of the meet changed at the last minute, which to many people would be a red flag and uh, may indicate to many, myself included, that something was off, something was wrong. Um, and it, something was wrong because he was a dangerous guy. And uh, I think she knew that. I think her family knew that. And I'm not, again, blaming victim blaming or anything. But this case was, uh, when I first got involved in it, it was scary right from the beginning that I knew something really bad was going to happen, something really bad had happened. And from all my investigative experience, all my gut feelings was that um, Cassie was not going to be found alive. 
And lo and behold, today it was announced that uh, she, in fact, was discovered in a shallow grave in Birmingham, Alabama. And it actually, she wasn't discovered today. It was last night. The investigators had held this information very close to the vest and didn't release it until today. And in a way, I applaud them for doing that because it's the secretness of keeping it, um, an investigation and evidence close to the vest can't be amplified enough. It's so important. Many jurisdictions, the NYPD included, gave too much information to the press and in, in turn sometimes compromised the investigation. So I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is the sheriff announcing uh, the horror that we all heard earlier today. And let me play this. Breaking news on WFLA now. Here is J.B. Buno. An update in the Cassie Carley missing person case in the Florida Panhandle. Moments away from a press conference. Getting underway now. First off, I'm joined by uh, Mark Alderman from the state attorney's office. Um, so Cassie Carley, who's been missing now for about a week, um, we discovered her body while executing a search warrant in Alabama. It was in a uh, a uh, barn in a shallow grave. So it's not the ending that we wanted, obviously, but um, we're hoping to provide a little closure for the family. And also, as you know, as we reported earlier, the suspect is currently in jail in Maury County, Tennessee, on charges of tampering with evidence and giving false info reference missing persons investigation. Um, our major crimes unit, I can tell you this, I've never been more proud of them. They've served multiple search warrants in multiple states, traveled over 1,500 miles in a week searching for evidence in reference to this crime. So I want to thank them, but I also want to thank FDLE, FBI, uh, Fish and Wildlife, um, Texas, or excuse me, Tennessee Highway Patrol, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, Alabama uh, Investigation Division, St. Clair County, SO, Alabama, Springfield PD, Alabama, Walton County, Bay County, and Okaloosa County um, for all for their assistance. That tells you how far out this went. Um, we're just proud that we've got this guy in custody. Uh, obviously, more charges will be pending current, depending on the autopsy, which will occur tomorrow morning. Um, if you have any questions in reference to extradition or charges that will be pending on him, I'll defer to the state attorney. So do you have questions? Yes. Do you guys know how to do that? No. The autopsy will reveal that tomorrow, hopefully. Absolutely not. No. No, um, how we found that location either right now. So you got to remember it's an ongoing investigation. So um, we can just tell you that we had uh, information that led us to that place. We got a search warrant and we discovered the body. Um, it was found yesterday evening. Um, it is in a roundabout way, but we can't get into that either. But it, he does have a connection to the property. Are you able to say if the body was found like in, out in the open or covered? Or... No, a shallow grave. Um, regarding the previous charges, can you get it all into what evidence he tampered with and what evidence he might have destroyed? Um, yeah, it was in reference to the victim's phone. He took her phone and basically got rid of it. So. Were you guys able to ever locate the phone? Yes. Where? Um, we're not going to go into that one. And how did you lie to investigators? What did you lie about? Um, he lied a couple of times, actually, in, in different scenarios. But uh, what was the exact same thing? Um, Yeah, actually, our detectives went to Tennessee and got with the uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol and uh, Bureau of Investigations, and they did surveillance, surveillance, found him, and took him down on his traffic stop and arrested him. Obviously, 
Right. Well, I don't. I can't speak for his thought process. Um, I can tell you this: he was totally uncooperative. He never cooperated at, at all with us, um, and that goes a long way. I mean, you think about it; it's it's your baby's mother, and she's missing, and you're not going to cooperate with authorities. That's kind of telltale. Not yet, but we're working on that as we speak. But yeah, she's been checked on by the uh, Tennessee Department of Children and Families, and she's safe. I know you said he wasn't cooperative. Is he speaking now that her remains have been discovered? No, all he said was lawyer. That's all he said. And this department or any other that Not that I'm aware of, no. In terms of Uh, obviously, he's in Tennessee right now. Um, we will know very shortly as to whether he, he's going to waive extradition. If he does not, we'll have to submit paperwork to the, the governor's office and do a, and do a governor's warrant. And that, that can take up, it can be a process. It can be a process. Um, usually, we have about 30 days to do it, um, we sh but we should know within the next couple of days as to whether or not he's going to fight extradition. So if he, if he is not waiving extradition, it will take a little longer. Uh, but it's a pretty routine process going through the governor's office. And at what point will he, I know you said the charges were on the will he be able to get back here or at this point, as the sheriff said, the autopsy is likely going to be tomorrow, which will reveal a great deal more. Um, as soon as we know more, we will file the appropriate charges. And uh, we've been in consultation with the uh, DA's office in Alabama. And as soon as we know more, we'll figure out what to charge and where to charge it. Do you guys believe he acted alone? Yes. Was he alone at the time of his arrest yesterday? Um, yes, he was. Yeah. And, you know, as for extradition, when you say, uh, will he waive extradition? You know, since we've been dealing with him, he's been acting like a dirt bag. I, I don't see that changing, so I'm sure there'll be an extradition process. So. Do you have any history or traffic complaining about him or any domestic incident history involving him? I, I was told by somebody that she had applied for a DBI before. I don't, but I don't have specifics. I don't. And just another question. The mm -hmm. conditions of Taylor, was she unharmed, completely safe when you saw her last, and does she remain so? Well, we never saw her, but um, the Department of Children and Families in Tennessee, that she was unharmed and, and in a safe environment. I know it was Yeah, I mean, she's four years old, so I, I don't know that she saw anything. We don't have information yet, but, um, you know, her being four years old, I don't know how much info we can actually get out of her. Does someone from the Sheriff's Department notify the family? And if so, in yeah, I, in person, I did it this morning. So, well, as you would expect it to. Crushed. I mean, it gives them some closure that, that they know where she's at now, but still, it's their daughter. I mean, you know, daughter and sister, and it is terrible. Is it difficult for you? It always is. But, I mean, she was a citizen of mine, so I'm obligated. And it's not something you look forward to do as a detective or as a sheriff. It's horrible. You had said on Thursday, um, when asked about the investigation, that um, the whole major crime scene. Yes. Yeah, and like I said, they went over 1,500 miles in this investigation, multiple search warrants on cars, phones, houses, properties. Um, I just cannot speak high enough about them. Um, you know, very little sleep traveling all over the place. We've got them in Tennessee. we got them in Alabama, Panama City, and they're all working as one team. And, and it came to this conclusion, which, you know, we hate it that Cassie has passed away, but it's good to get closure for the family and it's good to keep this dirt bag in jail where he belongs. Since the remains were held in Alabama, are all these agencies still going to be with the investigation or is it kind of 
Well, yeah, they're, they're still helping us and they, they've been a great help. Like, um, you know, up in Tennessee where the truck is, they're taking care of forensics up there and, and they're helping us with that. And, and of course, the FBI and FDLE are great at, at offering their services as well. So it's kind of a team effort here. But um, we have definitely got a great case. And I, I think once the autopsy is done and you see the charges filed, you'll, you'll understand. But um, I think we have a great case and I think he's either going to spend the rest of his life in prison or he's going to get the needle. So hopefully the needle, but so, uh, yeah, no, she's not with DCF. She's with the family right now, but they've checked the family and they check location and she is safe. And as far as other charges coming in, uh, do you expect to be charged with murder? Well, I, and I'm not going to speak for the state attorney. They're the only ones that can charge somebody with murder. But after looking at what I've seen evidence-wise, um, I, I think it's, yeah, I, definitely. Well, you guys yeah, the autopsy's done tomorrow. It's going to be done up in Alabama, I think Huntsville, Alabama. And once we get the results, that will be immediately forwarded to the state attorney's office and we'll do what we need to do. I'm sorry to move on this, but no. you absolutely confirmed that sure. signs have been confirmed that she has tattoos. Well, and when, and when I say that, confirmed, she, it's been confirmed by a tattoo. Okay, so it's not like dental records or fingerprints or anything, but it's a very, very, you know, it's a, a tattoo in a, a place that normally you don't have a tattoo. And the type of tattoo has led us to believe that this is definitely her. That and the property coinciding with you know, the suspect, it kind of all came together. Has family haven't identified her yet, or have they? So, folks, you had it, that's uh, Sheriff Johnson of uh, the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office. You know, some of the questions that were being asked, of course, um, do we know the cause of death? And at this point, pending autopsy, they do not, and it would be... Um, remiss of the uh, sheriff to say this is what we think happened until they have an autopsy so to he indicated tomorrow there'll be a completed autopsy and they'll determine the death to be i would uh imagine it will be determined uh to be a homicide cause of death what was the cause of death was it strangulation was it blunt trauma was it gunshot wound that will all be determined uh pending the autopsy Many questions, of course, and I, the, one of the reasons I came back on the air tonight is because when we were presenting this case today, we had no idea that they had, in fact, recovered Cassie, um, Cassie's body. And uh, during the broadcast, uh, people were saying, oh, there's a, live, there's a live broadcast. They're saying that they recovered her in a shallow grave in Birmingham, Alabama. And one of the things that we had spoken of and in regards to this investigation was investigative checklists and what should be done and what will the police be doing. And one of the things, of course, we said was to conduct a search warrant on the Birmingham location of Marcus Spanavella, where he was living. And, of course, that's what they did, and that's how they discovered the body. It's unclear to me. I know um, it's. Uh, they indicated that they actually found her cell phone, and he may have tried to damage it, and that's where one of the tampering with evidence charges came up, thinking that they couldn't um, get a pinging. Uh, they couldn't ping the phone and find out where the phone was. That'll all be uncovered down the road, but that was one of the charges that he was facing that he, uh, in fact, tried to destroy evidence. We, uh, The sheriff sort of indicated that that's uh, what he had done. And he had, there's a picture on the screen of Marcus Spanavello. We had spoken about also many people in the chat and many people that have, had been listening to us were like, it's so dangerous for women out there that are domestic violence uh, victims that are dealing with uh, a crazed man and what kind of protections can they get? The courts really don't protect them. So you must protect yourself. You know, you must consider, you know, when in a situation like this, and again, I do not intend to victim blame anyone, but I think the family knew, 
Uh, obviously, Cassie was fearful of this guy, Marcus. Uh, maybe she should have exchanged the child with another person present, or maybe in the most egregious and dangerous situations, a child is exchanged in front of the desk officer in a police precinct, which is probably uh, the safest place that someone could uh, exchange a child. So we're, um, you know, when, when we were on the air earlier in the day, uh, again, even with all my police training and all my investigative training, I thought that this was inevitable, that they were going to find um, Cassie Cawley and find her body. However, even though you think that and intellectually you think that's what's going to happen, all the indicators are pointing, you're always hopeful that she may be found alive and uh, that this wouldn't happen, you know, but it did happen. Um, Amanda Simpson, the demeanor of the sheriff tells me that whatever he did to her was heinous. No doubt in his mind, it was murder and he needs the needle. Yes, the, 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 this is, I, I like this sheriff too. He's very blunt. He gets right to the point. Uh, it's, it's, you're right. He's seen the evidence. He's seen the results of this, which undoubtedly would be determined tomorrow after the autopsy to be a, you know, um, Milwaukee civilian, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. One of the things that makes the podcast great is that you folks do not rush to judgment. Stay cautious. You know, I've, I've, I've learned to be cautious over a 27-year uh, police career. Uh, Cat lover, uh, can this turn into a federal case since it crossed state lines? Well, the FBI is involved. I think in a case like this, they'll let the local jurisdiction um, prosecute this in the local courts rather than taking it federally. I think that the, the assistance of the FBI was invo- invaluable, that I'm sure that they helped a great deal. Uh, you, heard, you heard Sheriff Johnson just praising and praising his officers from the major case squad. Uh, Agnes Lamb, I believe she was probably murdered in, in um and this this remains to be seen also, but in, in Birmingham, Alabama, we don't know all the facts. Like when he when he met up with her, there's a couple of questions I have. When he met up with her in in Florida, the location they met was Sailor, the four year old, with him. I I didn't hear any definitive answer to that. I would tend to think not, because if he was going to do that dirty deed, I'm sure he wanted to be by himself. Many folks suggested today that um, a four-year-old um, could be a witness. And I totally uh, disputed that and said, I've had experience with that. I had a four-year-old in a case December 1st. I, I still remember the date, December 1st, 2001. It was right after 9-11, September following 9-11. We had a double murder on East 101st Street in a 2-3 precinct in Spanish Harlem, El Barrio. And a four-year-old girl witnessed her grandmother and her, bo- her grandmother's boyfriend murdered right in front of her. And we tried everything to see if the four-year-old could be a witness or could tell us anything relative to that case. And guess what? We had psychologists, we had doctors, we had everyone try to interview her and... Um, She couldn't tell us a thing. Um, So many people tell me, oh, my four-year-old is so smart, my four-year-old this, my four-year-old that. But when a four-year-old sees that type of trauma, that type of horror, they they choose not to remember it. You know, they suppress it. So whether it's a four-year-old or 50-year-old, in that case, a four-year-old could not uh, be used as a witness. Uh, see a dream. Does the detective start interrogating him? See a dream. What happens was they they went. Um, I believe it was Wednesday night. They went to Birmingham, Alabama, and they tried to interview him. I don't know at one po- what point he lawyered up, but the chief, uh, the sheriff Johnson, indicated that from minute one he was uncooperative. So that's a huge, huge red flag when someone 
is uncooperative in the disappearance of their baby's mother, it either says that the person doesn't care or the person has something to do with it. So um, that that's that was a serious problem. Uh, po- folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. Uh, if you like this podcast from a police perspective, please go on our YouTube Hit the subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. If you want to support us, join our Patreon. We have three different levels. And if you want to be part of the YouTube family, you can join our YouTube club members. And we have five different levels on that. And you see the folks that are in the chat that are in the green font. That means they're members of our, they're our channel members and they're members of this family. Heidi Zip. Uh, they have a short exception spin, but you never know. She could have give clues. That's why I believe she has not been returned to the family yet. I think that the, the sheriff indicated that she is with the family now. Um, she was removed by the Bureau of Child Welfare, Administration for Children's Services, whatever they call it in Florida or in Birmingham, Alabama. But as I said, um, four-year-olds are not, um, they're not good witnesses, okay? Um Spoiled wife, yes, the sheriff called him a dirtbag, which is probably what this guy is. Uh, Cat lover 33, I just don't see him risking driving that far with a dead body, but I've been wrong before. So I think it happened in Alabama too. Folks, there is a a picture I'm going to put up on the screen of his, um, see that large trailer there? He was pulling that trailer uh, around with him. And could he have enticed her in there and 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 killed her inside that trailer? Uh, I don't know the answers to that. I'm guessing, but it's a distinct possibility that he could have done that. Um, so there's many things that are unanswered. Many things will be answered tomorrow during the autopsy. Um, happy, uh, happy, happy. Good to see you. Hello, police off the cuff chat mods. Great to see you guys. See a dream, Winbrook, number 10, like Rita Schaefer. Look so good to see all you guys. I mean, this is the third uh, broadcast I'm doing today because I just thought it was very important to come back on the air after this horrendous information came came out from the family. And, you know, I feel, excuse me, from the news media. And I feel so bad for the family. Um, The family was so up on this. Tammy Nichols, I don't know what you mean by that. These guys don't care about a dead body. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Ruthann Griffin, good to see you. Nikki Bella. Uh, My elderly cats, uh, however it happened, it's heartbreaking. Her poor sweet daughter feels so bad for her. You know, folks, what we want to sort of focus on now is the positive um, in that, you know, we have to prevent this from ever happening again. And domestic violence is a real, real pandemic in this country. Uh, uh, B-Fly, I think he lured her into the trail and took her to Alabama, and I think his girlfriend had something to do with helping him. That's the look. We can just conjecture right now because we don't have any of the evidence. Could that have happened? A number of things could have happened. Do we know that happened? No. Do we know all that the police know about this case? Absolutely not. Some of the things that we do know is that he was lying right from the beginning, right? Look, here is some of uh, text messages that he sent to Cassie's father. During this, he wrote, I'm sorry, Carl was acting up and I broke my phone. Marcus is working on it. I will stay at his place tonight. He's paying me money to do some stuff around his house. now." Marcus tried to make everyone believe that that text message was sent by Cassie. However, it's pretty indicative, at least from the family, that they said, that's not the style she wrote in. That sounds like he sent that pretending to be her. In addition, he wrote, no, the screen is jumping all over the place. Let me see if he can get this fixed and I'll call you. Well, then why didn't she call them? If she, it was as simple as making a phone call, why didn't she in fact call them? Because 
That wasn't her. That was him. He also told um he also told the father that he was dropping her off at a specific person's home, which was a total lie. He never did that. So when someone as this involved in the case is telling lies, it's it's very concerning. It's a very concerning situation because why what reason does he have to lie unless he's involved in Cassie's disappearance? He has no reason to lie unless he's involved in it. And sure enough, he we believe he is involved in it. He's under arrest right now. The charges were he was actually arrested Friday evening in Tennessee at 11 p.m. And he was charged with tampering with evidence, giving false information concerning a missing person investigation, and destruction of evidence. So we just wonder what was the destruction what was he destroying and i think that sheriff johnson indicated what he was destroying was her phone he was attempting to destroy her phone so it couldn't be used as a um, tracking device to find out where cassie in fact was so that's what um, what we were thinking it was it was being used for you know her family uh, was so hopeful and her friends were so hopeful during this whole thing that they would find her. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of the family. And this was, again, it's a little dated because it happened a couple of days ago. But it, they were so hopeful and they were, they were so, you know, they were so hopeful they were going to find her and they got people to help. And this is a little bit of that. erroneous. Sometimes when you have various agencies reporting on a story and they're not located here in Florida, things can get taken out of context. What do you most want to either correct or the world to know about this story as it continues to unfold? Um, you know, we're trying not to let the misinformation get out there. And I think I've seen a lot of people who take something from three days ago and are applying it today. This is a constantly fluid changing situation that we as Cassie's friends and family are really just doing the best we can. Luckily, one of Cassie's great friends, Sam Graves, has um, passed law enforcement. We've, it's amazing the village that Cassie has built that have come together and are literally just putting all of our heads together and sharing and searching and thinking and praying that she gets to come home. Yes. Um, and I just want it to be known too, that my sister was in the best place. She was so happy and hopeful for the future. And there is no reason to believe she would ever choose to do something like this on her own ever. And she yeah. would never, ever leave her daughter Ever. The only time Cassie has not had her child during her custody time, which is 85%, is when Marcus has taken her previously against the law, and we've had to get the law involved to get this baby back two weeks later. This has progressed. This has been escalated, and we want this to be a lesson for every future Cassie, that this needs to stop, that this is not okay. It's becoming all too often, and we're not having it. We're not having it. Yeah, she disappears right, right before he's got to pay. We will not be quiet. Yeah, we will not. Yeah, yeah. right before he's got to pay. pay all the attorney's fees, like child support. money too. Yeah, it's just sad. What is the plan for today? I know that there have been routine search efforts going on all week, and and some of the video that we'll play here, you'll see some of the search efforts. Um, before we let you go, where is the family? Where are you guys heading? And uh, what is the plan as the search continues for Cassie Carley? We're going to keep linking up with the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office, um, putting our heads together and searching every tip and lead that comes to us. Um, there's nothing too small or too big that you guys can call Crime Stoppers. Um, it's Star Star Tips, T-I-P-S. You can call the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Department, 911. Um, there's nothing too small that can't be shared because we are going to keep looking until Sailor and Cassie are home. And is there anything, while I have you guys on the line here, is there anything that I can do? Is there anything that we here can do as far as helping spread the word? I mean, really, it, it comes down to, I think, the followers here and the viewers watching. Well, folks, we know this is all academic. 
um, it was announced that the uh, body of Cassie Cawley was found. It was announced this afternoon, however, they found her the, the night before. Um, Aaron Rodriguez, thank you so much for the 1999 Super Chat, and thank you for all your support of the Police Off the Cuff channel. You're one of our biggest supporters, and I really appreciate all that you do for us. Uh, one tricky girl. It seems like he planned this, but it's the worst plan ever. How did he think he would get away with this? You know, tricky girl in my 27-year law enforcement career, I always said that, um, thank God criminals are dumb, you know, that they're stupid, and uh, they do stupid things. And uh, that enables us on the other side of the fence in law enforcement to be able to track them and catch them and, and put them away for a long time, which is what I hope this guy uh Marcus gets, you know, I just think it's, uh, it's crazy. You know, it's just a horrendous, horrendous situation here. Uh, Princess Mitch, I feel so bad for them. They were so optimistic. They were so, um, they were so focused on finding, uh, in certain, in the, the guy and his sister right next to him. It was their sister. And the girl all the way on the right was her best friend. So, um, Nikki Bella, cell phone. Well, we think that, um, you know, we went over this case in great depth, Phil and I, and we spoke about how important uh, cell phone technology is, and not just um, in the communication aspect, but in being a walking, talking GPS tracking device. And it seems like in almost every homicide investigation, um, Cell phone technology becomes part of the case at some some point. And sure enough, in this case, it may turn out to be that smoking gun piece of evidence that actually located where Cassie was. And the, the um, Sheriff Johnson indicated that one of the charges, the destruction of evidence, was that he tried to destroy her cell phone. So they have evidence of that. We don't know the circumstances behind it, but Sheriff Johnson has evidence of that. And uh, that's, uh, you know, a tremendous thing that uh, Jules A, the trailer gives me bad vibes. Yeah, it's, it's a sort of an ugly looking trailer too. You know, we had said early on in this investigation also, um, JH, his mugshot says it all guilty. Let's hopefully that no one just judges us on our mugshot, but yeah, he doesn't look good in that mugshot, that's for sure. But not many people do look good in a mugshot. There's a there's an angry mugshot right there that uh, seems to say a lot about who he is. However, we all know in this country, you're innocent to proven guilty. Um, uh complicated this is happening way too much look at the numbers they don't lie it's got to stop i feel she was failed by the courts uh you know i don't disagree with you uh annie o tonight at sunset prayer vigil for cassie and navara uh, navari um dawn marie the lady is a tramp uh it's disgusting that this happens we've seen a lot of these domestic violence type homicides and 100% you guys are correct. This happens way, way too often. Um, Linda Petrovich, I think he should have been in prison for threatening Cassie. Why was he able to threaten Cassie? And she would have to keep meeting him. Well, that's something that uh, I question too. You know, family court tries to be fair, to be fair to both parties. And he, as the father, even the biological father, had visitation rights. And uh, maybe the visitation rights should have been curtailed based on the fact that he wasn't paying child support and B, that um, Cassie was afraid of him. Why was she afraid of him? She had reason. He had threatened her in the past. According to her brother, he had threatened her with a gun. So these things apparently were not brought to the attention of the family court. And if they were, family court should have um, done something about it, and they did not. Um, uh, can we just take a moment to acknowledge Cassie's family and friends that have been superb in getting Cassie's case out there? 
in their efforts to bring her home. They are fierce and exceptional. British Chippy, I'm uh, you're preaching to the choir. I was just praising them a few minutes ago. I think they were resolute. They were um, clear in their thoughts on how to search for her, and they were tireless in their efforts. And if anything, I want to praise Cassie's family and her friends for searching for her. Um, very sad ending to this situation. Um, Teresa Webb, so sad. I hope her family will raise her daughter. I'm sure they will. I'm sure she seemed to have a really good sister and a brother. I'm sure they're a very loving family, and they want nothing more than to take little Sailor in and and uh, drown her with love, as they say, you know? Uh, she didn't know more. One-track minds. It's ludicrous how these criminals think, how they reason. Uh, complicated, stupidly gets them every time. This is so sad. She is like Gabby in an aspect, seems so full of life and beauty. You know, a lot of these cases we can draw parallels to, to other cases that uh, they seem similar. And these domestic violence cases are horrible, you know, and they have a lot of similarities to them. And it seems that the police, the courts, corrections, uh, they can get more involved and protect the party that is the most at risk. And this incident was, of course, Cassie was the party who was most at risk. And sure enough, she she lost her life for it. And um, it's a horrible thing. You know, um, one of the things we do know about this investigation, again, I can't praise, um, I can't praise the local police, the FBI, and the sheriff mentioned multiple law enforcement jurisdictions that were involved in helping out with this case. Everyone did a tremendous job. I had listed like uh, on my list things to do, things that were done already. And without me even being involved in this case, and I'm not saying I'm Sherlock Holmes, the super sleuth, but I've uh, been involved in a lot of these investigations. And they, they did every single investigative checklist thing that I was suggesting in my mind. They covered everything. And you heard the um, Sheriff Johnson. They traveled over 1,500 miles in over in seven days. None of these guys had any sleep in the last seven days. And that's law enforcement. And that's, that's part of the job, you know. And you have to have that fever. You have to have that tenacity to just keep going when, you, when your body wants to give up. You haven't seen your family. You haven't seen your kids. But you got to keep going and have a you know, a regard for someone else that you don't even know uh, to find out and bring finality uh, to their family. Christine Michelle, I'm so glad this guy is in custody. Rest in peace to Cassie and love to her daughter and family. 100%. Tricky one, tricky girl. She was in the prime of her life, that's for sure. Pauline Robb. I light a white candle and set a prayer and smudge some sage to release any fear and negative energy. And here's this terrible news, sharing strength and love the best I can. That's all we can do. You know, I almost felt like uh, in presenting this case, in as a, you know, let's face it, who I am. I'm a YouTube uh, content creator. I'm no longer Sergeant Cannon, Manhattan North Homicide Squad. I'm a YouTube content creator. And I almost felt when I heard the bad news in this case, I felt the same type of pain I felt when I was a homicide sergeant and working in Manhattan and working on the hundreds of cases I did. I had that empty feeling in my stomach that something horrendous had just occurred and that we just found out, you know, the results of evil. And um, that's how I felt, you know, and uh, just telling you guys that. Uh, you're not a human being if you don't feel the pain of this family, the pain of this. Um, hello, Matty boy, Sully. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, hey, Sergeant Bill. Good to see you guys. Um, you know, if you don't feel the pain that this family is feeling and uh, that this little girl, Sailor, uh, is going to be raised now without a mother, without her biological mother, uh, 
So we, we all feel that, I think, you know, and uh, these cases, even though to most of you guys, you're outsiders, uh, you're listening to content creators on YouTube, podcasts, and that type of thing, you're still human beings, and these are real stories. These are real cases. These are real people, you know, and real people with real families and real consequences. And um, we've seen it in a lot of different cases. Um, Christine Michelle, I'm so glad this guy is in custody. Rest in peace to Cassie and love to her daughter and her family. 100%. Um, we're all saying that. Uh, it's it's just a, uh, a pathetic situation. Um, folks, again, uh, if you're uh, not subscribed to um, Police Off the Cuff, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. Uh, Gina G, Bill, it showed on your face. Uh, it showed on your face during your live today. I can see it now. You're a human being with a good heart. Well, you know something, if you don't feel the pain of other people, uh, how are you human? You know, we have to um, empathize. I guess that's the word that I'm looking for. If you don't feel empathy and put yourself in the shoes or in the position of someone else, I think that's a, a human trait, don't you guys? Uh, guys, why don't you put the um, your um, prayer emojis in the chat? Uh and that would, uh, you know, say a little prayer for um, uh, Cassie's family and for her little daughter, Sailor. Um, and uh, a prayer for that um, for all the police officers and detectives and law enforcement that worked this case and just did an unbelievable job. Yeah, look, I see all the uh, YD22 songbird, Holly Chick, all these uh, prayer emojis, Kristen, Michelle, Patty L., Thank you guys for all these prayer emojis. And uh, if you believe in the power of prayer, um, it's uh, certainly appreciated on Police Off the Cuff podcast, you know. Uh, again, folks, you know, I thought I had to come back on. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted uh, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo is on the air. And if there's a 20th century hero, I want to show you a picture of Lieutenant Pete when he was a young cop. How's that? Is he a handsome-looking guy? <laughs> Lieutenant Peter Pranzo. That's police officer Peter Pranzo. I don't even want to know what year that was, Lieutenant Pete. But what a great picture. I mean, that's something that's got to be handed down in the family archives and stay forever in the Pranzo uh, family. Uh, I pulled that off of Facebook. I hope Lieutenant Pete's not going to get mad at me because of that. But uh, Heidi Zip, have to have empathy and compassion you know, 100%. Uh, Linda Petrovich, <laughs> Lieutenant Peachy saying you're hot. You were hot back in the day. <laughs> Ruth Ann Griffin, wow, that's cool, right? Uh, Catherine, 1967. For some females, it can trigger forgotten memories. She should never have to bring the girl for a visit. Some dropped the ball while reading the case. Catherine, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. Um, she did no more. Great picture, so handsome. It's Lieutenant Pete, 1968, that picture was from. Wow. Wow, that's a long time ago, Lieutenant Pete. Is that the year you came on a job, Lieutenant Pete? Give me a one in the chat if that's the truth. Uh, Catherine Mooney, New York's finest. Um, Lieutenant Pete is going strong. Hooray for Lieutenant Peter Pranzo. Absolutely. Uh yeah, I mean, what what a, what a great there. I'll put it up one more time. Make Lieutenant Pete famous here. There you go. All right. I made Lieutenant Pete uh, famous enough. Um, uh, John, John Antis, love you, Bill. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys, too. Judith Irizar, uh, British Chippy, where's your picture from back in the day? I, I don't have one from when I became a cop. I have one from when I was promoted uh, to detective sergeant with my two kids. Here, here, here you go. <laughs> that was right after 9-11. It was December 24th, uh, 2001. And uh, that's my son, 
my young son Jake uh, is to the um, my young son Jake is on the left. I don't know what age he is. I'd have to do the math, and I'm not good at doing the math. So, and then it's my oldest son. Um, it's my oldest son Casey wearing my hat, who's going to turn 30 years old uh, April 18th. So I keep this um, I keep this shot handy in the chat just in case. Someone wants to see me, and that was in uh, 2001, which is, what, 21 years ago. So I'm 21 years younger in that photo. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll get it off the screen now. I'm buffing out too much, you know. Uh, but it's always good to see yourself when you're younger than when you're older, right? All right, folks, you know something? I, again, I, I want to – I'm going to get off the air now. I just wanted to come back on the air. Today is the third time. I've done a show today, and I just felt that um, I didn't like how this news was broken to our, um, uh, you know, it came over while we were live on the air, and we didn't know whether to believe it or not. We didn't know whether the information was correct or not. So I just wanted to to touch uh, touch upon it a little bit more now that we know that the information was true. And, uh, you know, say a prayer for the Qualley family. Uh, little sailor, the daughter, and say a prayer for um, for society that this is where we are, where we got some bad domestic violence policies, and things need to uh, need to change. So, guys, I think that uh, it's time for me to uh, to say goodbye to you guys, and thank you so much for listening tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the air and supporting us. And all that you guys do, all the supporting police off the cuff, real crime stories. So, folks, have a great night. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you tomorrow, if not tomorrow, Tuesday. Have a great night, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.